Hi, this is Deandra Simmons, and I'm hanging out with Bernadette and the Spirituality and Self-Love in the Modern World podcast. Yay, thanks, Deandra. I'm super excited. I wanted to share my audience demographics with you so you have an idea of the show a little bit. Mm-hmm. My audience is super young, female, around 18 to 19 years old to late 20s. So if you can give in-depth advice, that would be very valuable to the audience. And if you can be really honest about what to expect in life without sugarcoating it, that will also help. Okay, so they don't want to know about menopause, right? I'm just kidding. Go ahead. (laughs) I mean, my menopause is approaching. I'm actually 37. So if you want to talk about that, (sighs) me too. I'm decent. You don't look 37. You look great. That's Tiffany Moon will be 37 tomorrow. Oh, wow. So she's a Leo. Leo. No surprise there, right? How are you? I heard you had COVID a while back and you were hospitalized. How does COVID feel like? It's the most horrible thing. One of the most horrible things I've ever had, but I also had SARS in 2000. So look, I'm hitting all the coronaviruses that you can hit, apparently. I'm hoping to miss the Delta and the Lambda variant. So how did you contract COVID? Were you in Dallas when that happened? Yes, honestly, it's really interesting because I have no idea because, you know, we went through the whole last season of RHOD and, you know, it was fun. I never got sick. I was so careful. I never went on a vacation because when we're doing anything with regards to production, I take my job very seriously. And then we finished and, you know, it was literally the week of Christmas. So I have no idea. I I think my real thought about it is I had a full ankle replacement on December 23rd and I had a COVID test literally four days before and I was fine because they have to check you before surgery. And then as soon as I got out, I didn't feel good. I was in the hospital for two days. I could have contracted it in the hospital. I mean, you never know. I mean, how do you know? You don't know because I really, I don't know, Bernadette. It was, it was awful, but I got out of the hospital. I started feeling bad. My temperature went to like 105 And I called my physician and she said, let's get you a COVID test. Sure enough, my husband took me in my robe down through the COVID drive-thru. It was really cute, cute scene. And uh, sure enough, I had it. But then my oxygen had dropped to like 80. So they had to put me in the hospital because of my oxygen uh, levels. The saturation was so so low. How long were you hospitalized? Six days, yeah. Six days? Mm -hmm. So So you were in a hospital with all the nurses in hazmat suits? So that's an interesting question. I'm glad you asked that. People don't realize how isolating it is to have COVID in the hospital because no doctor comes to see you. They won't come in the room. And you're almost like a lab rat. You sit in a room and they have a little window and they pull the shade up and down. And then they're only people that ever come to see you. There's And where I was, which actually was a good hospital, it was the Clements Private Hospital for UT Southwestern and the COVID ward. And my family um, is Simmons Cancer Center over there. So they take good care of me, you know, but um, there was a nurse for three COVID patients and a med, a medical assistant for three COVID patients. And they were covered head to toe 
but you know, everything. And they had even breathing masks and things on the back ventilators for themselves. And, um, yeah, so we only saw them every day and I had research assistants that would sit outside because I took two different research drugs, uh, to watch my response. And the one I took, I had my, one of them, I took my, uh, temperature. I I took, no, I took, um, Regeneron. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, there's 1500 people worldwide and I took it because I thought I, this is, this is how I see things. I own the stock. I'm like, let's see if this works. I own the stock, you know, (laughs) that's really safe, right? Yeah. Holder. (laughs) Yeah. So I took it, but my temperature had gone up two degrees in 15 minutes and it felt like my blood, my organs were boiling on the inside. It was terrifying. So that one is bad. Yeah, nobody can come in and check on me because they're watching me. I, I'm the lab rat. So people don't understand when you're in a situation like that. It's very scary. Um, it was extremely isolating. I did have a lot of people texting me. I had my phone and checking on me. Um, wonderful support from the community and for from the fan base of Real Housewives. And I'm very thankful and grateful for that, that so many people cared enough to check on me every day. Did you thought you were going to die? Yes. Whenever my husband took me to the ER, I was, I mean, I was, I was out of my mind because my temperature was so high and I felt so bad. And the doctor said, say your goodbyes to him. And so he started crying his heart. was going to get me all choked up. And um, he drove away crying and thought he would never see me again. Cause they can't, you know, they, you can't go see your loved ones that have COVID. So for six days in a row, the only interaction that you can have with the outside world is basically just FaceTime. It was FaceTime, but I felt so bad. I didn't want to FaceTime. I mean, I just, I felt so bad. I didn't want to answer the, a lot of the messages. I did the best I could, but I just, I've never felt that bad except for, I think when I had SARS in my life, I mean, it is bad. (laughs) So I'm so very thankful to be alive and I have been vaccinated. So yay for that. (laughs) How did Mama D feel when she heard that you have COVID and she's perfectly healthy? Well, um, she was scared, but she honestly wasn't perfectly healthy. She got COVID from me. Oh, <clears throat> never she talked did get about it. Yeah, we never talked about it because I didn't want people to have like a real negative opinion of that situation. But she yeah. was over at Christmas and we didn't know that I had COVID. I had just had ankle surgery and I felt, you know, you don't feel good after anesthesia. So I just thought it was anesthesia. I wouldn't have ever put her in a situation that was dangerous. So the next day, then she went and got tested and she had it a few days later, but she didn't get it like me. She had a very mild case. Oh, so, she didn't get hospitalized. No, she had the vaccine though. So maybe that's, you know, one of the reasons. So gotcha. she got it early because she's 80. So, you know, if you're older, you get it to early. So yeah, my mom too. What about SARS? When did you contract SARS? Were you in China at the time? I was in uh, Vietnam. Yeah, bad luck. Yeah, exactly. I was in Vietnam, Cambodia, Singapore, um, all for a month long trip. It was, it was towards the end of that trip um, that I contracted it. So, cause that's where it was back then. You know, it was all, that was kind of in Asia. That was the, the big disease that was happening in the early 2000s. And yeah, stroke of bad luck, but it was another respiratory high temperature feeling like you're, I mean, feeling awful, the worst feeling. And I'm just glad that I've made it past both of You're probably immune to it by now, whatever variant that is going to be. You know, I don't know. Coming out. Honestly, looking at these kind of things, like they, they mutate and change so much. So who mm-hmm. knows what you're protected from, what you're not, because they don't even know. 
um, you know, it's just, it moves so fast. And actually in Texas, we have, you know, the one of the worst case, case records. I mean, as far as numbers here, our hospitals are completely full again. You can't get a toothpick in the hospital here. So, you know, hopefully I'll stay healthy this time. I'm just, I'm hoping, but we're back to masking and we're back to taking all the precautions. Um, you know, it's sad that we have to do that because so many people have depression issues and anxiety from it. And, but I mean, if you want to live, you've got to follow the guidelines. Yeah. You and your husband, I have a question about your relationship. Yes. You have such a healthy relationship and a healthy bond. I really hope that someday I could find someone as supportive as your husband. How did you meet Jeremy? <laughs> That's definitely serendipitous luck right there. I mean, why? Well, because I was um, in a relationship and not happy and getting ready to break up. And I was on a business trip and met Jeremy in DC. We were literally staying in the same hotel. I went to get a glass of wine and he was teaching a photojournalism workshop. And this guy said to me, oh, may we buy your drink for you? Because we would like to take a photo of you. I always wear hats. So I had a fun hat on. I'm like, no, I'm tired. You know, uh-uh. And I thought, I looked over there. I was looking, I looked over, I go, oh, there's a cute guy over there. Maybe I'll go yeah, have a drink. Cute. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so I was, maybe I'll go have a drink. So I went over and I sat down and, uh, you know, we just talked. And the next day, because I was in a relationship, the next day I brought my college friend to meet him because she was single. But he didn't want to meet her. <laughs> and I said to him, I said, look, um, I, I was engaged. I said, I'm engaged. I am not a cheater. I am not going to cheat on my fiance, even though I'm not happy. I haven't made the decisions about what's happening next in my life. So it was great to meet you. Um, sorry, you don't like my friend. You know, I was trying to make a love connection with them because I thought this is a great guy. He'd be a great catch. And he was cute and fun. And he lived in D.C. where she lived. I went to school in Virginia. So then I said, don't contact me because I don't want any problems, you know? And so he didn't. And then he had, I had these little cards for hard naked morning, my skincare line. It had my picture on it and I signed it and he put it on his desk and kept it there for about, I guess, five or six months until I contacted him because I asked him not to contact me. So I don't even think he had, I don't know if he had my phone number or not. I don't know. But I said, I'm coming to DC and I have the Whole Foods holiday show. I don't know if you remember me. So I sent a picture. <laughs> I said, I'm Deandra. I met you at the bar and at this hotel. He's so ridiculous. And he's like, of course I remember you. I said, do you want to have a drink? He said, well, I'm on vacation with my kids and I'm eight hours away. And I was like, okay, no problem. He goes, but I'll drive back eight hours to take you to dinner. I went, okay, this guy likes me. <laughs> So he drove eight hours to take me to dinner and went back. Wow. <laughs> so. How did you know he was the one? Oh, it was funny. The first night we met, I just talking to him and just seeing his, I guess, you know, of course there was, there's always a first immediate attraction. Are you attracted to somebody? That's like within 30 seconds, you can figure, you know, decide that. But then I think his values and just his personality, um, I just, I knew I was going to marry him. Literally within five minutes of meeting him, I knew we were going to get married. Do and you I didn't have... want to get married again too. So that was a big convincing for him to say, let's get married, you know? Yeah, this is both of your, uh, this is your second marriage and Jeremy's second marriage too, right? Yes, yes. And do you have friends who are jealous of your relationship with your husband because he's super handsome? So they try to flirt with him or sabotage your marriage? Do you have that happen before? 
if, if they do, I don't notice it because we're not one of those jealous type couples. And my husband would never engage with another female ever. I mean, he's just not that kind of guy. I mean, um, the funny thing is he has these women, there's all these women on social media that contact him thinking that, you know, that I'm not going to find out. I don't look at his social media. I don't look at his phone. I'm not that type of wife. I'm very confident in who I am. And that says a lot about our relationship. Eight years, I don't worry about, you know, my husband cheating or having an affair or anything like that. Um, but he'll show me like at dinner time, it'll, it's like a, a fun game. Like, okay, you know, get on the phone, like who, what did this woman send? Oh, she's sending him nude pictures, all this kind of craziness. They all do it. And so, I mean, some people do it to, and I don't know, it's, we just laugh about it. And he just, he even, if somebody texts him inappropriate or something, he just blocks the number because he gets real nervous about people saying that he's doing something he's not doing, you know, because you just have to be careful. You can't answer anything because then somebody will, oh, Jeremy interacted with me or Jeremy did this and women are nuts. You know that you're a woman. (laughs) What is the success of your relationship? How do you keep that passion alive? Because even in the show, you can tell that you both have chemistries the way you interact. We um, are best friends. Um, He's a great, as you get older in your life, the most important thing is because, you know, at the beginning, it's all sex and, you know, fun and, you know, love and all that stuff. And it's, it's attraction based relationship. As you move on in a relationship, you have to develop other things that keep you together, like companionship, similar values, um, similar goals, what do you like to do? And what do you want to do with your life? Do you want children? Do you not want children? Where are you at the stage in your life? And is your partner at the same place? And, you know, I wanted somebody that wants to be with me. My husband wants to be with me more than he wants to be with anybody else in the world. That's a great feeling to have. A lot of men don't have that relationship with their wives, but finding that special person. And I also think too, my husband and I are both Christians. We practice, my husband has a Bible study every Thursday morning at 7am with uh, six other married men. And I think that's a very strong um, thing for our marriage because he comes back to me and, and I read my Bible every morning. He'll say, okay, we had this discussion today on the Bible study. What do you think about that? Um, we do attend church. We pray together. Um, if we have any issues in our life, we pray together. That's our belief system. I think having a belief system is very important, no matter what that is, that you choose as a couple um, to have the same belief system because it really makes a difference. A lot of people don't know, uh, uh, a lot of people don't know this about you, but you do have two stepkids and one adopted son. Can you talk about this heartwarming story, please? So actually, you have some very new tea. You wanted some tea, right? Sure. The boys just moved in last week. The two. To your house? Yes. So they're both here. And um, so... Keaton, who was on the show the first year I was on, is back. He's 25 years old. And then Cohen, um, who I don't know if you've ever seen, if they've, anybody saw him, he's back as well. And he's 22, and he just graduated from college, pre-med, psychiatry. So they're both trying to figure out their next steps, but they wanted to get out of um, their environment and try a new environment. And so we have a, a full house over here. I mean, hopefully I'm not going to be step monster this time like I was four years ago. <laughs> And then I have Jackson, who I met um, when he was about 12 or 13. Um, he actually, we met uh, through the show. And um, 
I could tell that he needed some direction and he was having some issues. He has great grandparents, but his mother and father had some issues. So I kind of took him under my wing because I didn't have my own child and took care of him. And he's in college now. He's thriving. He's going to law school. Um, and so I help him out as much as I can. And uh, he spends most of his holidays here unless he's going to be with his grandmother. And, um, you know, I do the best I can, but I love to see our future generations thriving. And if I can help them and mentor them and support them in any way, um, you know, I can only do a little bit, but I do what I can. But I, I love that. I'm very excited um, about the future of all three boys. So, you know, stay tuned. <laughs> what does the ex-wife think about the kids moving in, though? Do you have any uh, relationship with her or no? Yes, actually, we've been talking since the kids moved here because my husband's actually in Africa. He just climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and he what? comes home. Yeah, he comes home on uh, Sunday. So the kids, I, they moved here when he was gone. And so um, his ex-wife and I've been in communication about, you know, their jobs and their physicals and the, you know, getting the COVID vaccine, different things that, you know, parents need to do because Jeremy's not here. So I, we actually have a good relationship with regards to the family and the children and she's the mother. And so I just follow her lead as to what she wants me to do if they're in my care at this time. I mean, they're, they're adults at this point, but at the same time, you still have to kind of, you know, it takes a village, I guess, right, <laughs> to, help, to help raise children. <laughs> so, yes, we are in touch about the kids, um, and we just really talk about the children and their welfare. And what's a good advice of being a stepmom since you are one? Ooh, I would say to be as supportive as you possibly can, um, but leave the major decisions to the the you know natural parent like my husband and, and his wife that's the parents the biological parents and then you be as much of a support system as you can and don't create any divisions like a lot of people try to play kids against each other in relationships and that's very bad too um jeremy and i talk about everything um even if it's with regards to the children or finances or um we just have an open line of communication but at the end of the day i let him make the decision about his children he will ask me what do I think? And he always takes my advice in stride with everything else. But, um, you know, he's been there from the beginning and I haven't. And so I lean to him and to his ex-wife to kind of make the real decisions. But I help out whether it be um, with, you know, job reference. It's so funny because one of my one of the sons had an interview with a friend of mine and he was very nervous and so he got on the phone and the guy talked to him. He said, I was just, he was, I was just full of anxiety. It was awful. I did horrible. And I go, what did he say? He goes, he offered me a job. He goes, what kind of pull do you have in this town? I said, a lot. I said, but once you get your foot in the door, you got to do the job. Don't make me look bad. Yeah. <laughs> and I told the kids, so I always tell people to, um, this is one thing that uh, they always said they want to do it on their own. And my husband, I want to do it on my own. I want to do it on my own. There's a lot of good in that, but also if you have a connection and you can network, or if you have somebody can pick up the phone and say, this is DeAndre Simmons, my stepson wants to interview there. Would you please give him a chance? And they say, yes, take the foot in the door. Don't be stupid. As my mother says, the S on my forehead is for Simmons, not stupid. Okay. Take the foot in the door, make the phone call, say, yes, ma'am. I'm glad I have this opportunity and then move on. And it's up to you to make sure that you present yourself in a great way and that you do the work better than anybody else because your mommy or your daddy or whoever got you the job. You have to be better than everybody else because you did have a leg up, but take the leg up. Don't be a dummy. <laughs> How's she 
your skincare line doing? Heart, heart, night, good morning, and ultimate living. Well, thank you so much for saying the right name, first and foremost. Of <laughs> course. Well. <laughs> it's doing well. Heart, night, good morning. How did you come up with that? freaking marketing jingle it's brilliant yes yeah, so and bernadette my college roommate is you know we had a lot of hard nights together and so when i was developing this line i said hey you know can you help me with this and she gave me a list of names i'm like hard night good morning that's great i love that and you can name everything hard night good morning so it's doing well um we're getting ready to leave to go to las vegas to the cosmocroft beauty show which is the biggest beauty show in the world there's one in las vegas and one in italy but so we're going to the one in las vegas and that's where you meet all the like the retailers and the the bloggers and the different people that want to talk about your brand and the press people and it's it's a great great show it's very tiring but um it's a wonderful way to connect so we're doing that we have two new products coming out i'm still in the testing phase one is a collagen complex and skin brightener so a little bit of a resurfacing product. It's a serum. And then I have another oil that's a nighttime oil that's hydrating and has CBD. Um, and it will, you know, not only help you get to sleep, but also will be nourishing and hydrating and softening for your face and for your lines and wrinkles. <laughs> what is the difference between Ultimate Living and Heart Night Good Morning? So Ultimate Living was started by my mother 25 years ago. It's a nutrition company. She's a breast cancer survivor. I'm the only woman in my family that has not had cancer. So I get checked twice a year. Um, my mother's sister had breast cancer twice. My grandmother had pancreatic cancer. My grandfather had uh, prostate cancer. So it's very much in our family, even though I did take the BRCA test and I don't have any of the genes. So she started that because she wanted to help women that were experiencing breast cancer or anyone that was having cancer kind of, she decided to travel the world and learn why did she get sick? My mother was a picture of health wow. and she about phytonutrients and, and, you know, different things to build your immune system, whether it be mushrooms or herbs or uh, plants and botanicals. And so that's how our first product, which is still our number one product is called green miracle. And it's, uh, she used to call it a health food store in a can because back 25 years ago, it came in a little can. And so it's like a health food store in a canister and you take one scoop It'll give you all your fruits and vegetables. It'll help give you the herbs and the ingredients to build your immune system, the mushrooms. It has milk thistle for detoxifying. It has all kinds of great products, enzyme blend to help you with your digestion. It's just a wonderful product. And especially for people that are going through a disease because you know, your blood is compromised so many times because they give you such strong drugs. And if we've shown through the years that people have taken this Green Miracle product as an adjunct therapy while they're having, say, for instance, chemo and radiation, it really helps keep their numbers um, much better than people that are not taking phytonutrient-based products. So that is, we have about, let's see, one, two, we have about, I would say 12 or 13 products, maybe 14 in that line right now. Um, and I'm just bringing out a new uh, pain cream with CBD. It's a miracle pain cream for the joints. Um, we've got the green miracle. We've got an ORAC, which is an antioxidant product, uh, aloe vera based drink, uh, mineral product are two really good sellers. Now we sell to lots of chiropractors and, um, to naturopathic doctors, our liver, kidney, bladder, and brain balance. I created both of those after having COVID. So yeah. um, how did you figure out what ingredients to put in? What, what is your background? So when I left um, President Bush, I was working in communications um, at the White House and then at Department of Energy. And when I left that position and came to work with my mother, I decided to study naturopathic doctor school for 
Well, originally I wanted to go for four years, but the really good school is in Seattle, Washington. And I was in my thirties and I was married. It wasn't doable for me. So I did like an online naturopathic doctor school. And so I wrote a lot of papers about cancer, about disease prevention, about antioxidants. And that's really besides that and having the traveled the world with my mother when she was sick to go to these um, nutritionists and herbalists and um, a lot of strange people all over the world we went to see. And, you know, she, we had all kinds of treatment from Laetril to um, Rotochem. It's something where they take the blood out of your body, put it back in. We had, we went to see Misho Kushi. We did the macrobiotics. We did the stem cell, live cells, everything. So I learned just kind of like being a student of nutrition and these different uh, experts and then going to school for two years. And you have your own laboratory. Walk through that process. How, how was that lab built? Was it, is it in your house? No, actually, I work in the lab of our main. So for the skincare, I work in the lab of the person that makes our products. I go in. I'm, I'm unusual. Uh, it's not my lab, actually. It's the lab that we've been using. It's my dad's friend. Like, my dad knew him for 30-something years. They're friends, and my dad's passed away, but he's still alive. He's like another dad to me. And his sons are my age, so it's family business. So um, I can go in and then actually – let, you know, I work with the chemists in the lab and then I also meet with the raw materials people. So most people just say, I want to make a product, but they don't really know why or what, or what should go in there, how it should be combined. And that's the difference is I do know how to make my products and combine them. And there's like oil phase and water phase and active phase and botanical phase and and different things. And what percentages do do you need to work? And um, those are, you know, more mathematically based, which I hate math, but I can do it. How did you manage to clean house and make your mom's company profitable again? Can you share some of your business decisions for our younger audience? Right. So the most important thing is, and this is what was the disadvantage, Bernadette, to me. When my mother was was running the company, she wouldn't let me see the books because she didn't think that I understood profit and loss statements. Oh. and how bottom line is made and all that. But I did, if I had seen the books, I would have cut so many expenses that weren't necessary. I mean, I'll give you one example. We yeah. had copy machines that we were like running for, I don't know, it, years and years for $60,000 or some stupid, stupid stuff like that. Who needs a copy machine? You got to use a scanner and be done with it. You know? Yeah. So, to get out of the copy machine contract, which they wanted me to pay 45,000. I had to negotiate that down to, I think six, because, you know, I, I just did the best I could, but that is my mother never looked at the fact that we're paying for two copiers and this copier and this machine and that machine. And that's wasting money. Also, I did take Travis Holman's advice on the show and I moved my office home and it was really an easy decision to make because it was, it was an easy way to save $8,000 and people, we have a small business and people wanted to work more from home. They were happier working from home. They were still as productive doing their jobs. So we moved everything. That's why you see this in the background, this clutter mess in the background, because I'm still trying to organize myself because we moved right when we were um, gearing up for the show and then the show happened. And then, you know, it was like all this stuff happened. So then COVID happened. So we're now reorganizing and throwing away decluttering just for you, Bernadette. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, Cutting cutting costs. I'll tell you this to really go and answer your question. 
we really need to look at the profit and loss. Where are you spending your money? Why are you spending that money? Do you need three different inventory systems? Do you need to use this warehouse and fulfillment center because they might be more expensive because every time you go into a fulfillment center, you're going to pick and pull. If the piece of paper is this much, you've got to pay 25 cents, 25 cents, plus the product, plus the packaging. They're just things that you have to say, okay, do I really need this? Or can I spend this money on marketing or um, on Amazon or whatever? And that's just, you know, that's in my particular industry. But I think there's a lot of waste that I cut. I cut about 30000 a month in spending. Why do you think your mom handed you the company when you was on the rocks versus trying to solve that problem together? Uh, that's the big mystery. That's the ah. $10 million question. And I mean, I don't really like to talk about it anymore because I don't want to cause any um, drama, you know, divisive feelings with my mother. Um, we're kind of past that. And I just want to get past it. I think my mother, I will be honest, and I say this to her, she's a control freak. So, I mean, it was about control, about losing control of something you created, passing it on. And whether it was the right thing to do, it should have been done before my father passed away because then my father could have really worked with me on uh, crunching numbers and saving money and major business decisions. And I would be a multi-million dollar, you know, huge company if I had been able to do that in 2004. Um, for instance, um, when we were on a shopping channel, there were some decisions made and I argued against those decisions. And I really believe if my decisions had been made versus decisions that were made, we'd still be on there. So, and then having to start over again in that realm is very difficult, but you know what? I always look at the glass half full and not half empty. Like, oh, there's no woe is me, poor me, poor Deandra, all this stuff. Let's just figure out a way to make it happen. And I think that since you're talking about spirituality and self-love, it's really important to stay positive. And, you know, I'm not saying every business, if you're a small business owner, not every business is going to work, but that's okay. Something else may come along that's better that you didn't even think about or another opportunity or a person steps in and gives you an offer you can't, you know, refuse. I'm in talks right now to potentially join forces with someone very, very, very big. Um, I'm hoping it works out, but I can't, you know, I, I can't, I've done a lot of, I, I will say this, I've done a lot, a lot of dog and pony shows over the years with regards to my products to kind of join forces with the right person. But at this point, you know, there's been a reason why that right person hasn't stepped in and I'm just doing it on my own and making it happen. I think it will change, but um, you know, you just, you have to roll with the punches and be inventive and creative. And I wish I would have, and still to this day, I should be doing more social media on my products. Um, and I just now, the kids, now that the kids are home, they're teaching me TikTok. So stay tuned. <laughs> so maybe doing some TikToks and uh, some fun things, you know, more focused on product. But they'll be funny as well. Funny things too. So in the present day, how do you set boundaries with your mom knowing how she is? Yes. So I, try, I think the real issue for us is, um, working together. Um, together. And I also have with my, with boundaries, my mother has a friend, a friend group. She also though does like spending time with me. And so if I make the effort to make that phone call every day and say, mom, let's get together for dinner. Like I'm seeing her tonight. Let's get for together for dinner at least once a week. And we always spend Sundays together as a family. We have church and go to lunch and all that stuff. And then if I just, I call and check on her and you know, make sure I do my part. We don't have as many issues as when I just, you know, have, I, I don't focus as much. I focus too much on myself or I'm overwhelmed or stressed out because at the end of the day, 
in a really close relationship, like a mother or a, a spouse, they know you have all that going on. They don't really care. They just want to talk to you and have time with you. And I'm an only child. That's very hard for me to understand because I was always by myself growing up and I entertain myself. Look at all the books behind me. I mean, I like to read. I'm a total nerd and dork. I can entertain myself anywhere in the world by myself. And it's not a problem, but that, not everybody's like me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so making the effort and I realized with the boundaries, if something doesn't make me comfortable, I'll just say, mom, I'm not going to accept that. That's a money thing. I'm not going to accept that. Um, I don't believe that I'm not having this conversation and then it stops. And she's like, well, I think I should get off the phone because it's not, you know, we may get in trouble fighting. I go, I think that's a good idea. And then we let it go for a few days and we're fine. That's if we have a disagreement. What is your relationship with spirituality? So you saw, I don't know if you watched the show or not. I know you're a big below, I know you're a big below deck fan. (laughs) I watch real housewives too. Um, I'm all caught up. So I will tell you, I was, thank you. I was, um, very this year, I, you know, I'm a Christian. So in, with regards to Christianity, it's a very, um, rigid kind of set of rules. Can't go outside. I was born Catholic. Yes. It can't go outside the box, whether that means, you know, Catholicism, there's different set of rules and I'm Baptist and I was raised Pentecostal, but I have been all over the world, travel of the world met people that have had all kinds of different religions, different religious experiences. I studied religion at school. So for me, I am open to understanding, learning, knowing whatever that means. And if there's something in my life that I need to improve, and if I need to go see a shaman to talk to me about meditation or about self-love or about practicing certain, you know, a certain way, as long as it doesn't interfere with my beliefs as a Christian, I don't see a problem with it. Now, no one in my, not no one, but most people that go, you know, that are in our religious circle would not agree with me, but that's why God gave us free will, free will. We have a brain and we make our own decisions. And that's the most important thing you need to remember is that believe what you want to believe, but also know you have free will at the end of the day. And that is one of the unique um, experiences of being a human being that no other animal has. So, you know, use your brain. <laughs> so you have taken ayahuasca before, yeah. right? Uh-huh. I want to try, but I am scared. What led you to, to just do it? Were you scared? How come you were not hesitant to do it? No, I was very hesitant to do it. Oh, well, you were? Oh yeah. That was, I wanted to do it for years and years and I was terrified because no, I'm like, you. I'm a control freak, like my mother, I'll just be honest. And so anything that takes me out of control, I get really um, flipped out about. And so uh, drugs like an ayahuasca or like a ketamine or like a, any psychedelic is going to give you that like disassociative feel. I don't like that at all. And so you have to, I did it solely for healing of my body originally because I have um, I have arthritis and joint pain and some issues that are really hard for me, but I don't really talk about them on the show because I don't like to talk about medical stories on the show. So I went for that reason and I went for, um, you know, dealing with depression with regards to that and some past traumas. And um, I talked to Darren who on the show, um, you know, you saw him about the shaman. Yeah, you saw him and and how it would be. And, and, you know, then I went and I've done it twice. The first time was um, not bad at all. It was just more of like a nurturing kind of feeling of warmth. And uh, I felt great. The next time was scary. Uh, Everybody usually has a scary trip at some point, either the first or, you know, it just depends on how many times. 
And um, the scary was teaching me about control. So what did you see? It was like something on my face. It was this close to me. Like it was like I was in a coffin and it was this close and I couldn't breathe and I was flipping out. So in my head, I said, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. And when I said that and tried to really like control my breathing, it went away. But, you know, you have to do that for eight hours. It's a long time. <laughs> so, so you were hallucinating for eight hours. It's about, by the time you take it, it's about probably five, five hours maybe, but that's because you take it and then it takes about an hour. So it just depends. Some people can get there in 15 minutes. I, it takes me a little bit longer. So I would say maybe five to six hours, maybe is the actual really kind of woo woo state, you know, where did you go to get it done? Now that is a secret. Oh, that is <laughs> secret. Okay. <laughs> That's a secret, but Darren just got back from Peru. Actually, Peru is, you know, the place you can go and, and do it and in other countries in South America, um, the United States, it's not, um, it's not, you can't really do it in the United States. Let's put it that way. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> a few more questions to go before we wrap up. Do you mind sharing about the loss of your father to suicide? How old were you? And how did you cope with the aftermath? So I was 36 years old. It was two weeks after my first oh, marriage. Mm -hmm. Two weeks after my first marriage, um, I came home. I had spoken to my dad that night and I, I could tell he wasn't like, my father was also an alcoholic, but cause he was, he had a disease called ataxia, which was a nerve degeneration disease. So he had dealt with that for a long time. He was an alcoholic before that as well. So he had been drinking the night I spoke to him on the phone. Um, and I said to him, I said, daddy, tomorrow is my husband at the time's name with David It's David's birthday. So don't forget to call him. And then we'll come down in a week or so. So he lived in Austin and I'll show you the wedding pictures. And he said, okay, that'd be great. And then the phone rang at two 30 in the morning and uh, he had committed suicide. So that was, horrible. I was the first, at first I was in shock. You're just in shock, you know, such shock. I remember sitting in the bottom of the closet, like trying to get my clothes packed. Cause I knew, okay, I'm gonna have to go to a funeral. I'm gonna have to do this. What am I doing? I, I was just out of my mind. Finally we got in the car. I think we got there at seven, maybe or something seven. And he was still in the room and the CSI was still there and they hadn't taken him out yet. Um, but how I coped, I didn't cope. And that's part of my mm -hmm. issue is that I went into everybody looks at me as like the problem fixer and the businesswoman and the person that has to do all the stuff. So I went into, okay, let's, you know, deal with the CSI, went to the, um, the funeral home, took care of that, wrote the obituary, did the eulogy, chose the songs, did this. Oh, by the way, it's my, my husband's birthday. So let's get a birthday cake too and have a celebration tonight. It was crazy. I mean, the fact that I just went, I shift, I have different I compartmentalize things in my brain and I went into business work mode. So then it was over and, you know, I didn't ever cry. I didn't get to do any of that. That's not good. And then the same thing happened again when my stepfather died, I had to do all of the heavy lifting and didn't get the time to breathe. And, um, it's affected me not in the best ways, but I'm the only child. I have a brother that's adopted on my father's side. And then my stepfather had two other daughters, but they were both had both passed away at that point. So, you know, everybody looked to me, I'm always the strong one. And I think people look at me on the show maybe and see that I say, look at me and have the misperception that I'm not sensitive, 
or I'm not a good friend or I'm not that I'm just more of the, everybody wants me to fix it and get things done. And that's kind of my personality. What made, what made you wanted to join the real housewives of Dallas? Well, I actually was asked um, prior to the first season Wow! and made the cut. And then I just, it was bad timing for me. So, um, and I, before that people had come to me and said, Hey, would you mind trying to help putting a Dallas housewives together? I'm like, Oh, I don't have time for that. Honestly, I never watched housewives either. So I didn't even know what they were talking about. I mean, I heard of the show. I didn't know what it was. And then when I got on the show, I did research, of course, before I did a little bit of research, but then after I got on the show, I didn't really understand what it was until after the camera's rolling and then it's reunion and you're like, Oh my God, you know, <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> but then you kind of figure it out after, you know, four years about how, what this is. And, and so my, my one mantra about it is be honest hundred percent of the time and not everybody's going to love you, but at least you don't have the guilt or complex of not being honest or, or having to chase lies around and all that stuff. Cause I never do that. I just go, somebody says you did this to try to hurt me. I go, yeah, I did that. That was 20 years ago. Fine. Moving on. You know? So it's just, it's, I did it, but basically back to your question, I got a little sidetracked. I did it because of my business and because my husband too, I thought it would increase both of our business opportunities and it has and other opportunities. This was for ultimate living and, and, um, hard night, good morning. And then also because I was an actress in prior years, I got my equity card here in Dallas and I wanted to get back into acting again. I thought, well, I need to be on camera to start acting again. I can't just walk into an agent's office and say, Hey, I want to act, you know? So that was the right decision for that as well, because, um, it's started to bring more opportunities at my podcast. And then I have some other roles coming up next year. So that's, that was good. I mean, it was a good decision. It's hard. It's not what I would tell anybody else to do unless you really, really want it. And you know what you want to do and you know how to, you know what to expect because the social media aspect of it is the worst part of it. If I didn't have to read anything about, you know, any negative things about me, I'd be fine. But that's not the real world. People are going to sit behind a computer screen or on their phone and say nasty things. And you just have to, you know, they don't know you. They don't know me. They know what they see for um, 18 episodes on a TV show. But there's a whole different part of my life you're not going to see because there's no time for it. Yeah. Last question. Hmm. Looking back, what would you do differently? Hmm. on the show or on the, um, on the show. Yeah. Oh, I, that's easy. Um, (laughs) season two, when I had, um, mentioned about, um, one of the other cast members, her, uh, fiance at the time was maybe not faithful. Um, I didn't actually do that. What happened was I did that. I said that to a producer and it was, I was still liked. So I would have never said that on camera. And because of the fact that I was still mic'd and that's my fault, I got in trouble. And, you know, when you sign that bottom line, you sign that no matter what comes out of my mouth, you can use it. So I kind of got down the rabbit hole of having to talk about it. And I knew that it was going to be a very difficult few years for me. And it has because of that. But I told the truth. It's just, I mean, you know, I probably wouldn't have said anything because I knew that the wrath that was going to come up on my head you know, I would be, if somebody said it to me, I would be like, let's have the conversation. You know, why do you think that? Or yeah, you're right. You've known me for 10 years. You know, our past. And I, this is the way I would handle it. I would have said, you know, 
That's true. However, we've talked about it. We're going to counseling. We're going to work through it. I love this person. I want to go through the marriage, whatever you want to say, but don't act like it never happened. I mean, that's just not my personality, but other people don't want to talk about things that make them uncomfortable or they want people to think they live a fairy tale life. And we just, nobody lives a fairy tale life. It's not true. I don't care how much money you have or mm-hmm. anything else. There's no one that lives in a fairy tale utopian bubble. It's just not possible, you know? All right, Deandra, thank you so much for your time. I really you, appreciate it. I appreciate you. And it's uh, so nice to talk to you and hopefully we can meet sometime. I can't wait for the new season. Hopefully it will be this year. Hopefully, hopefully. Well, hopefully this COVID situation will die down, uh, especially down here. You know, just never know. But I'm praying that we all get, um, you know, make the right choice for our bodies, whatever that is. And then we can get through this. It's not just to avoid getting COVID. You also have to eat right, exercise, you know, uh, take care of your mental health, everything. It's not just like, I don't want to get the virus, but it's like, yes, what are you doing not to get the virus apart from getting the vaccine? Right. And that's, we have, you know, in our family, we exercise, we eat healthy. Um, we, we all, we did get the vaccine. You know, that's a personal choice people you know have to make. Yes. It's not my business, whether it's not my business to tell anybody anything. So anyway, I just, um, we're doing the best we can. That's all you can do Bernadette. So Anyway, I hope hope you stay healthy. Hope we all stay healthy. You too. Thank you so much again. Thanks, Kelly. (laughs) Bye. Thank you both. Bye-bye. Bye.